0: Tuesday, March 27th, having a conversation concerning today's headlines and real life challenges. I'm Tom Lamprecht, along with Pastor Harry Reeder. Stay with us as we apply a biblical worldview with gospel solutions to put the issues of today in perspective. Harry, a number of pundits have said concerning the California Supreme Court case where pro-life centers have been asked by the state of California to promote state-funded abortions. You better be careful. This is not just a freedom of religion situation. This is a freedom of speech situation.
1: Tom, there was a very interesting case here in the United States on one of our campuses in a class on Christianity. There was an attempt to promote a transgender ideology in opposition to a biblical world in life view of gender when the professor was confronted with a simple statement of the student. Freedom of speech became an issue then.
0: It took place at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. Lake Engel, a senior there, basically challenged the professor, Allison Downey, and questioned her concerning the fact that he says, you know, biology says there's only two genders. He was a religion major. He needs his class to graduate. He was booted out of this class for making that statement. And amazingly, what was the class name, Tom? Christianity 481, Self, Sin, and
1: Salvation. And so here's a guy in a Christianity 481, a religion major, who speaks up for the Christian world and life view that God's actually made two sexes, male and female, and is now silenced and booted out of class and told, if you say that again, you can't stay in the class. And by the way, that'll just cost you your degree that you've been laboring on. Here again, we see another tether between freedom of religion and freedom of speech. Tom, now let me just back up just for a moment. Let's go to school with me in the ninth grade. My father and mother had a very incorrigible son. That son was me. Even in the midst of my self-absorbed rebellion against God, I had a teacher named, I still remember him, Robert Woodburn. I'll never forget how he would show up to class passionate about his subject, which was in the ninth grade the requirement in a class on civics and the civic foundations of this country. And it utterly fascinated me. But here's what I begin to see. Not that every founding father was a Christian, but the Christian world in life view in the founding fathers that were Christians greatly affected the non-Christians, even the deists, even the lukewarm deists like a Thomas Jefferson and a Benjamin Franklin who kept kind of coming in and out of the influence of Christianity through preachers like George Whitfield and his own pastor there in Philadelphia. And the result is, as Os has noted, and we have noted, this extraordinary declaration of independence with these four references to God in the content as the source of our inalienable rights, and that in true submission to true authority, you must resist tyrannical authority, not only a right, but as a responsibility. The result is this providential intervention of God in the winning of our American independence under the Declaration of Independence. The influence of Christianity on that document was already seen by those in England when a parliamentarian named Horace Walpole stands up and says, well, that's the end of it. America has run off with a Presbyterian parson. And they were referring to not only the influence of Christianity and the influence of the Presbyterians and the influence of a particular Presbyterian named John Witherspoon, who had a direct influence on 13 of the commissioners in the Constitutional Congress. And the result on one of them was the major role Of James Madison, who had two degrees from Princeton underneath the influence of John Witherspoon, and basically the borrowing of the Presbyterian system of government in the church and applying it to a federal government. Notice the federal headship, the covenantal nature of government as a reflection of the federal headship of King Jesus over his covenant people, and his provision of three offices of a minister of the word of deacons and elders and how there is to be a king but that in the government, the way you honor the kingship of Christ is to make his law king, and the influence of the law of God over what becomes the king of America, lex rex. The law is king, and that is the constitution that is given to us as it is signed in the year of our Lord. Therefore, the sovereign hand of God upon the constitution. And then, The enormously effective movement of the Ten Bill of Rights, the personal rights, and the rights of the states in this new federal government, the first Bill of Rights, the First Amendment, with its six affirmations of liberty, and perhaps the three most important was the first one, the freedom of religion, the second one, the freedom of speech, and thirdly, the freedom of the press in order to hold accountable government and therefore an open public square for the free exchange of ideas, which meant also the free practice of religion, not just in the walls of the church or in a state-approved church, but in the lives of the people and their families. And this freedom that had been won had been ordered, instead of moving into the anarchy of the French Revolution, had been ordered by the Constitution and now was matured and maintained in its continual development by the Bill of Rights in general and the First Amendment in particular, and the free speech and free practice of religion and free press provisions specifically. Tom, out of all of the discussions around the Constitution in general and the Bill of Rights in particular, out of all the discussions, Tom, the one that took the least was the freedom of religion. And the one that became passionately Embrace was the freedom of speech. Why? Because our founding fathers knew that the way the state would establish its supremacy at a federal level would be to control the church, silence the church, and control and silence the free speech of its citizens. And they were attempting to protect both of those because a fascist state or a tyrannical state always shuts down freedom of speech, freedom of press, and the free practice of religion in order to maintain its supremacy and expand its authority and supremacy. It is no accident that we're seeing legislative initiatives and judicial tactics to silence, to shame, and marginalize the free practice of religion and the freedom of speech. It is the very anticipation of this that caused our founding fathers from a Christian world and life view to affirm the Bill of Rights, particularly the first right, the right of liberty and free practice of religion, free press, and free speech.
0: How ought the Christians react to this attempt to restrict the freedom of religion and the freedom of speech?
1: Number one, Christians should be praying for both boldness and effectiveness as they stay faithful to Christ and the mission of making disciples through evangelism and discipleship. The second thing, Tom, a reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit thirdly, to be passionate, and fourthly, to be persistent. Stay the course. Whenever the government and the media attempt to remove not only God-given rights and freedoms protected in the Constitution, whenever that happens, Christians and churches are not going to be able to hide They may think if they cower away like a frightened puppy into our little Christian corner that they're going to get away and be tolerated. No, they will not. They'll either leave their faithfulness to their message and their mission and therefore come under the discipline of the Lord, or they will be further isolated until they just simply become a part of the culture of the world instead of the salt and light of the kingdom of God in the world.
0: On Wednesday's edition of Today and Perspective, I want to note that March 21st was National Single Parent Day. That has caused an interesting debate between the New York Times, Robert Samuelson, who's a syndicated columnist, and Tucker Carlson has also weighed in on this issue.
1: The unlikely intersection of Tucker Carlson and Robert Samuelson and their response to a New York Times editorial.
0: We'll deal with that on Wednesday's edition of Today in Perspective. As we close out, let me remind you that you can subscribe to this broadcast. It's easy. On your iTunes icon, type in Today in Perspective with Harry Reader. Each and every weekday on your podcast icon, will automatically download another edition of Today in Perspective. A great way to stay in touch, a great way to never miss an edition of Today in Perspective. We'll do stop by again tomorrow, Wednesday, as we continue our conversation and as we apply a biblical worldview to put the issues of today in perspective.